Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, running nerds. It's Kyle Merber. And if you're listening to this podcast and there's a high likelihood that you love track and field. In that case, I encourage you to subscribe to the Lap Count newsletter. It's my newsletter, helping fans stay up to date with all the thrilling action and biggest stories in the world of track and field, delivered right to your inbox every Wednesday morning. It's free. It takes less than a minute to sign up at thelapcount.com, and I think you'll enjoy it. Here's this week's newsletter read by Chris Chavez. Before we get into it, this week's newsletter is presented by New Balance. The road to Paris starts in Boston. The New Balance Indoor Grand Prix will be held on February 4th, 2024 at the track at New Balance, the -the state-of-the-art indoor track and field complex located across the street from New Balance's world headquarters in Brighton, Massachusetts. Rest assured, the stars will be out as Gabby Thomas, Jake Whiteman, and Noah Lyles have already been announced as starters, but that should come as no surprise. Now, in its 29th year, the New Balance Indoor Grand Prix has played host to nine world records and 16 American records. The 2023 edition was the first time that the event was staged at the track, and the crowd was buzzing with excitement from start to finish. Come see what the hype is all about. Visit nbindoorgrandprix.com to get your tickets today. Lap 146, the running cycling pipeline. Topic number one, Kerr runs down a new half marathon PB. All right, talk to me. How'd the race go there? Yeah, man, that was really fun. We had a nice group of four of us working together, and then about 10 miles in, some moves were made, and I was trying to stay on for dear life, and... Yeah, man, I had an absolute blast. It was just, uh, it's nice to, to get the legs moving and do something completely different and just get down to some competition, really. And this was a pretty big PR, right? Yeah, it was about a minute 55 faster than we ran last year. A bit more experience in the event. Uh, obviously feeling a little bit fitter and then some, some better gear on the feet makes a big difference. So, yeah, we're happy with it. Keep it rolling, man. Thank Congrats. you. Please read the following sentence in the most annoying voice imaginable, like that of a younger brother putting on an exaggerated impression of his sister. Well, technically, it's two downhill and point to point, so that time doesn't even count for anything. That is what anyone who is trying to dismiss Josh Kerr's performance at the Holiday Half in San Diego this past weekend sounds like. The course has a net elevation loss of 711 feet, making it illegal. And while Kerr is not going to jail for committing such an offense, the fact that he ran 6151 is offending a lot of running fans, i.e., Jakob Ingebrigtsen fans. The reason to be excited about Kerr's gravity-aided half isn't that 6151 is such an incredible time that he's suddenly going to go step up in distance and take down Jacob Kiplimo's world record. It's that Kerr, who originally was a speed-oriented middle-distance runner, ran 6344 at the same event last year. So the logical leap that Kerr heads are making is that if he ran 329 to win the world championships in 2023 and improve his strength by 1 minute and 53 seconds, then this year he'll win the Olympics comfortably, running away with a new world record time of 138. You can't look at this performance in a vacuum. Otherwise, we would be celebrating the actual race winner, Dylan Maggard, as the new 1500 meter favorite. 
But we can take one piece of information from Maggard's 6140 victory. It's that the new clean haircut and mustache combo is working in more ways than one. To play devil's advocate, just because an athlete's half marathon is improving doesn't necessarily mean their ability to run 55 second quarters is also improving. It's a yin and yang situation. It's good to be stronger, but did Kerr have to sacrifice something to unlock that newfound aerobic ability? Probably just his platinum level Chipotle reward status. The Bowerman. Play for keeps. The winner of the Bowerman is Jaden Hibbert. The 2023 Bowerman winner for the Women's Award is Julian Alford. If the selection committee was at any point considering awarding some sort of shared Bowerman trophy this year, then surely the reactions to the World Athletics Athlete of the Year Award would have shifted those plans. The Heisman for track deservedly went to Julian Alfred of the University of Texas and Jaden Hibbert from the University of Arkansas. Alfred won five national championships and set five national records, not including the 100 and 200 meter marks that she dipped under at NCAAs with illegal wind. Hibbert won two national championships and broke both the indoor and outdoor collegiate records in the triple jump to become the first freshman guy to win the award. Hibbert's reaction and Alfred's speech are a testament to the evolution of this award's prestige since its origin in 2009. 2022 and 2023, I saw the light that my mom always spoke about. The times I always prayed for. Through it all, you were there. You've been a dad, a mentor, a friend, a coach, and I'll always be grateful for you. I thank you for taking me under your wing and building me your long lectures <laughs> when I was hard on myself. And I apologize for all my ugly cries in your office and on the phone. <laughs> thank you for bringing the, this person in. Thank you for bringing out this person in me, sorry. The athletic staff can tell you, it took some time to get to this point. I also cried in their office and over the phone. I cry a lot. <laughs> yeah, I do. Back then, its first winners, Galen Rupp and Jenny Simpson, were probably like, oh, cool, an award. And now, they're the first names etched into collegiate track and field Stanley Cup. This is also probably why LeBron tried so hard during that in-season tournament that no one understood. New 25K world record. Sorta. Kinda. Maybe not. And he's pushing for the line here. Nobody behind him. It's just him against the clock. Elliot Kipchoge, the greatest marathon runner in history, has the world record at 111.07. Daniel Abenio here, coming towards the line. And is he going to get there or not? That distant figure is going to be oh so close. What's the clock? Top of your screen. 110.53.54.55. Abenio has got to get there, surely. 111.07 is what he needs. It's going to be mighty close. Four, five, six, seven. Oh, he misses it by two or three seconds. 111.11, unofficially for Abenio. It is unbelievable racing. And maybe, just maybe, if those first five or seven kilometers had been a little bit quicker, he would have got that world record. I'm going to call it a world record. Let's throw caution to the wind. 
If you still need some additional context to know just how good Elliot Kipchoge is, then consider that at the Kolkata 25K, Daniel Abeno's winning time of 111.13 will only be considered the standalone world best. That's because Kipchoge ran 5 seconds faster through the same split despite 17 more kilometers to go when he ran 201.09 in Berlin. Even more amazing is that Ruth Chepengedich's split from the 2022 Chicago Marathon was 118.03, 44 seconds faster than Sutume Asefa Kibede's winning time. In fairness, comparing every race result to the fastest people ever is a shitty measurement system. Obviously, the World Championship silver medalist ran really fast, but without that comparison, none of you nerds would know what a good 25K is. An American Adventa de Baños. ¿Qué te hizo la letra estadounidense que tan protagonizó cambios de ritmo? Y ahí está. ¿Qué te hizo la estadounidense tercera? Así tenemos algunas impresiones ya de las letras. Este es qué te hizo la letra estadounidense. Un podio fantástico. For the past few years, I've been yelling at all of you about how more American distance runners should head over to Spain to compete in the World Athletics Cross Country Tour. With 10 of the races on the calendar in La Piel del Toro and a healthy dedication to participation by the local clubs, it'd be a good life and cultural experience. And while many of the races have a fascinating history behind them, the best reason to go is the opportunity. While probably a short-lived and relatively dumb experiment, athletes are also capable of qualifying for the Olympic 10,000 meters through cross-country races. This is especially important this year as the standard is 30-40, a mark that only 13 women have achieved so far globally. Considering that 7 of those are set by Ethiopians, technically there are only 9 spots that are currently filled in the 27-person field. And only one American, Alicia Monson, has achieved it. If you read the qualification document carefully, there is one important and overlooked line. The top eight from the World Cross Country ranking not directly qualified through entry standard or World 10,000 meter ranking will be considered as having achieved the entry standard. Katie Izzo finished second in Austin at Cross Champs and third at Venta de Baños, both gold label events. If she does one more, then she'll be eligible as it takes three performances in the 18-month qualifying period. The U.S. and World Cross Country Championships are other natural chances. Good luck explaining how qualification works to your work buddy that you dragged to Eugene to watch the Olympic trials with you. For a country that does not have three athletes with the standard, this is the backdoor in. Although it depends on the federation, as we saw last year, many did not enter their athletes who fairly qualified for the World Championships. Here are the current rankings and the methodology. You can find those links in the Lap Count newsletter at thelapcount.com. Team GB will totally respect this, right? For the next part of the newsletter, we have an interview with Rai Benjamin. You all know Rai Benjamin from the many global medals, but this interview that he did with Kyle is not about that. This fall, we saw that the Mount Vernon native had taken up a new activity, one that is usually reserved for retired distance runners. We caught up last week because we were intrigued to learn more about how and why the American record holder in the 400-meter hurdles had become such a serious cyclist during the offseason. We will be releasing that full interview in a separate episode on this podcast feed, so stay tuned for that. Here's what else you need to know from this past week. Tin Man Elite has added the NCA collegiate record holder at 1,500 meters. Elliot Kipsang has signed to their roster. He ran 333.74 while at Alabama. Anthony Camareri, who has run 338 and 1326 
of Ole Miss also recently joined the team. The American record holder in the mile, Yared Nagus, is returning to the Milrose games and there are loud whispers of a possible world record attempt. Get your tush to the armory on February 11th and check out his interview that he did in the episode right before this. Laura Muir wasted no time this year running 834.39 for 3,000 meters in Cardiff. Depending on if you go by the fiscal track year or the calendar, this might be considered last year, but either way, she has the standard for world indoors in Glasgow. Matthew Camelli has run 58.43 for a half marathon, so when his Strava recap says that he won the Bankstown 21 in hot and humid conditions, then you better believe him. His winning time of 1 hour, 3 minutes, and 39 seconds over 203 and 204 marathoners ought to be validation. Gladys Chepkarui took down an impressive field that included Ruth Chepengedich. Though the heat didn't impact her quite as much, she still ran 1 hour, 9 minutes, and 46 seconds. Former world record holder Bridget Kosguy finished fourth at the New York City Marathon with two potential Kenyan teammates in front of her. She came back quickly at this week's Abu Dhabi Marathon, breaking the course record in two hours, 19 minutes, and 15 seconds to help build her Olympic case, though it might not be enough. There are still probably too many women who have run faster recently in deeper races. It was a great day for the men's winner, Amari Sampson of Eritrea, who ran two hours, seven minutes, and 10 seconds in his debut. World Athletics President Sebco held a media availability session with journalists from all around the world, and he had some insights into some changes that he might be making. There are hardly any race results next week, so we will dive into that in the next edition of the newsletter. Thanks so much to New Balance for sponsoring this week's newsletter with winter here. The snow will soon follow. Well, it depends on where you live. Get yourself a pair of the New Balance Fresh Foam X More Trail V3 to be prepared for those treacherous traditions. If you're a tough guy like myself who refuses to run on treadmills, then you'll need them to stay on your feet. This has been Chris Chavez reading Kyle Merber's The Lap Count Newsletter. We'll see you next week.